Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. As we sit here on this uh, very nice Sunday night here in mid-December, mid-December, as after another painful Jets loss, uh, there was really nothing we could think of a better way to spend our time than commiserating about the Met season and talking about our favorite pastime of all. Well, so what about next year? We've done no prep for this. This is just off the top of our heads what we think about our team. And you know what? It, this could be, and I thought of this, any team in the major leagues, like if you're a, a, a Braves fan even, you just won the World Series, but you're having your offseason and, and you, you got issues, you got you got you your shopping list. Right. And this is out because, you know, you had to look at this Met season. Are we going to sign Freddie Freeman? Right, exactly. <laughs> now, if you're the Braves, it's a pretty great offseason. You just won the World Series. You're feeling great about yourself. You might even be a team like the Giants and feeling pretty good about yourself because you certainly weren't expecting to be there. The Rays and the Blue Jays are teams on the upswing. They're probably feeling feeling pretty confident about this up here this offseason the Mets offseason is one tinged with desperation and fear and there's a lot of teams that are in the same boat right, right? Like, like, but we're here to talk about the Mets and this was definitely this is definitely a very frightening offseason as a Met fan because the team's at a crossroad right now and I really think that if you're plugged into this Mets team you understand what that crossroad is because we know which direction they've sort of decided to go at this point. Now we're after a bunch of the crazy free agent signings they've gone through. Right, right. But before this offseason, you had to look at this and saying, are you going to go all in behind this roster as is currently dis- constructed? Or considering there was a lot of money off the books aside from Lindor and th- the amount DeGrom is getting underpaid – do you go and you try and retool and reload and maybe potentially end up wasting the last couple of years of Jacob deGrom's career? And, and there's a clear answer. In fact, there's a couple of answers here if you really look, right? Because the reason they signed Scherzer is because they think deGrom's fine. Right. Okay. So there's just no – deGrom, right now, anything can happen whatnot, but the Mets – Absolutely have information. Jake thinks he's going to be good. The Mets think he's going to be good because there's no way they go out and spend $43 million a year on Scherzer right. if they don't think Jake DeGrom is 100% Mets fans, we're going to say it because this is the year. Yeah. Right? You have to – You have to. you're going in with that idea going, we're going to spend – and they're they're not done spending yet. No, we'll, they're going to we'll get to all that. We'll get to all that. So we, we can start off first going into this offseason. You know, looking back at the Mets season, there were a couple things that you needed to address, both offensively and defensively, because despite what looked like on paper should have been a, I'm going to say, a top five offense in the major league, And leagues, coming off a, a, a strong 2020 second half of the season. There was where, nothing suggesting that they should have been as bad as they were this year. And make no mistake about it, they were bad this year. Painful to watch. Like, they were bad in, like, a really bizarre way where, like, they actually hit pretty well. They got on base pretty well. But I cannot tell you the number of like, oh, it's first and second, nobody out. And then somehow mysteriously the Mets don't score. Uh, for a team that uh, that didn't rank in the bottom tier of a lot of offensive categories, they should have been in the but bottom were, tier of a lot of offensive categories. And they were bottom categories. tiers in the ones that mattered, like runs scored, hitting with runners in scoring position. Now, I think a lot of that could be laid at the construction of the lineup, top to bottom. You had a lineup of extremely aggressive early count swingers and you did not have a lot of guys 
that drew a lot of walks in that lineup. Not Outside a lot of, of high OBA guys. Yeah, you had Brandon Nemo, who actually had another the best OBA guy. Best they had. OBA guy, but outside of that, it was not great. And then when those guys collectively in a lineup aren't hot and they're all early swinging, there would be a lot of games where like you would get up, go to the bathroom, and miss the Mets half inning of offense because they would just be like one, two, three guys could go super deep into games because people would just have to throw ten pitches and get out of the inning against them. Because Mets hitters would put themselves into a bad hole. Now, this did, didn't come out with some benefits because the part of that was the changes they made to their lineup this offseason. And defensively, it did work. Their defense was— Well, the, the first half of the season, defensively, was better than it worked. They were the number one defense in the National League. Now, they fell off a little bit in the second half, but a lot of that was due to injuries to guys. I think they regressed to the mean, mean actually, a little bit. <laughs> mean, but—, but you saw guys take a considerable step up defensively, and Lindor was as good advertised defensively at shortstop. And J.D. Davis didn't play a lot of third base early in the season, so that's why overall defensively they, they probably played better. When he played more, it wasn't as good. So then you move, you know, moving to just the other part of the team, the pitching. DeGrom was DeGrom for the period of time he pitched this year. He wasn't even DeGrom. He, he was, was somebody else. Right? That was otherworldly. The rest of the starting pitching staff – I have to commend some guys for giving pretty heroic efforts this year. Like, I got way more out of Joey Lucchese than I'd ever thought I'd get out of Joey Lucchese. Look, you had a team in first place for 104 days, right? So I think it's the longest a team has ever been in first place and not made the playoffs, you know. Uh, And and you had Lucchese. You had a first half from Taiwan Walker. That was was unbelievable. The guy was an all-star. You had Taylor Tyler McGill pitch really well. a stretch of time where he was really really good. good. And then just... Towards the back half of the season, the starting pitching broke down, and then that compounded the stress on the bullpen that was already a very boomer bust bullpen. One of the big issues for the Met bullpen this year is that between Familia and yeah, we talked about yeah, we talked about this a lot. Familia. Castro um, and Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz. You have three guys that have a trouble throwing a strike when they really need to. Even that are primary bullpen guys. And not so much is that you didn't know. Like there was no. They cons- don't know where it's going. No. Sometimes they would come out and you could have Castro, Familia, Diaz go, and they would be three electric innings where literally no team on Best earth bullpen could have, in, the, in the in the major leagues. Nobody could have gotten a hit off them. And then there would be innings where you wouldn't have gotten to Familiar or Diaz because Castro just literally couldn't get the ball right, into the strike. In fact, so. the three of them could pitch in the same inning, and they could be up five runs, and you think, this lead isn't safe. Mm-hmm. Even Trevor May was like that to a point. Seth Lugo regressed. He was not the same dominant reliever he was in 2019 or 2020. So the bullpen, now, I think a lot of that was because the bullpen was asked to carry way too much this year. There were a, a lot of starts, especially early in the season, where the Mets got like, two, three innings pitched from their starter. It felt like once a week, Jacob Jake would go like seven, eight innings pitched, and then the Mets wouldn't have another starter for five days. So I think... Except for Stroman. I mean, Stroman, Stroman was good. there all season long. Stroman was good all season Credit long. To him. The Mets will, will miss him in Chicago. That ship sailed. It's that fine. ship has sailed. So we, we can now say that the Mets really had to look at a couple things. One, they need to look at shoring up both their bullpen and their starting pitching. Because currently constructed, even if you look at a guy like Syndergaard coming back after his injury before, obviously he signed elsewhere. There wasn't enough pitching, especially coming up through the organization. Right, that, but we always felt they needed two starters. Two, two top so line they were going to resign Syndergaard and Stroman and DeGrom, they still needed another still, pitcher. We still wanted them to go so out. So they got the other pitcher. They went My out goodness, and got the other did they pitcher. do that? They went out and got Max Scherzer. And 
You now have the best one-two pitching combination in baseball. I don't think anybody out there, as long as those two guys are healthy, I don't think there's a And that's why the Mets did this, obviously, from the standpoint of, okay, if you get to the playoffs, you've got a seven-game series or even less. You've got four games pitched by these two guys at least. At least. And if you've got that, you got a pretty good chance of winning. Got a chance. Yeah. You had a very good chance. And you should also be thinking pretty much it's going to be hard for you to have anything more than a three or a four game losing stretch during your season because the chance of Scherzer and DeGrom losing back to back starts at any point in this season is going to be pretty low. At least we'd like to think. So, you know, and, and, and the way the, the CBA is going to work out, um, likely to have a universal DH. I think that's that's a pretty safe bet. We don't know. We know that's one of the things on there. I have to think that. The owners themselves, after looking at a down offensive year, have to be thinking about the universal DH because I think that they're I think they're going to use it as sure you guys want a universal DH and, we'll give that and, to and you. personally I'm over watching pitchers hit and here's why well, we've talked about as this much as people like to lay this on it being a strategical part of baseball it's only strategy because you have one guy in your lineup that's so talent deficient at the thing that he's supposed to be doing you actively have to plan around it whereas like well we could still bunt and advance the runner if we have the DH in the lineup. We just don't have one guy that basically is guaranteed not to get a hit in the lineup. But but the universal DH means a lot to the Mets because oh, they have a the lot of DHs. They have a lot of potential <laughs> they, DHs. No, they have a lot of DHs. You know, I would argue as hard as he works, they have a DH who's there every day for his baseman. Pete Alonso. Right. He's really a DH. He's probably ultimately a DH. And right. you prolong his career by being able to make him a and, DH. And it's, it's maybe time we stop, you know, looking at that as a negative. Well, he can't play a position. He's only a DH. Uh, Edgar Martinez is in the Hall of Fame, and Molitor played a lot at DH. He's also in the Hall of yeah, Fame. V- Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, Harold Baines even. Which, Shohei Otani DH'd story. a whole bunch this right, year. Right. It's so, a valuable thing. So, But but having Dom Smith and J.D. Davis on your team, you've got three guys. That, and Cano. That could be. Uh, yeah, well, no one's going to want him unless you eat a lot of that contract. Right. Cano is going to be a Met next I, year, I, for I, better or for worse. I see. Unless, unless there's a, a thought by the new ownership, because remember, Cohen inherited uh, Robinson Cano could say, you know what? I've got lots of money. I'll eat it. Right. And we'll just move the guy. That, that is possible that, that, that I don't Steve think Cohen, happen, I don't think it'll happen, but Steve Cohen could just literally look at Robinson Cano's contract as a luxury tax for purchasing the Mets that, you know what? There's an X million dollar rider attached to this. And I'm just going to have to eat that because, or I'm going to have to have Robinson Cano play. So, so, so DH wise, what, what I I'm hoping as a Met fan here is that, those guys, right? Are you really going to go into a season and you think about the roster they have, which is pretty, pretty deep now, right? With the you, guys you've moved in, because you've now brought in guys like Can Mark Canha, right. Sterling Marte. So, so Marte, Marte is going to play. Marte will, right? and, be, and they're even saying that Marte is going to play left field, not center right, field, because he's lost a step. He's not the same defender he was. So, I think you're going to see an everyday outfield lineup of Brandon Nemo. Marte and Mark Canha. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. See, that's that's the X factor for me, and 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 this is why. And so here we go. So that means to me, McNeil is going to play second base. Maybe Cano will split time with him over there. Right. You brought on Escobar. Did you bring him in as your everyday third baseman? Yes. Okay. So now you've got Escobar, Lindor. You've got Alonso at first. McNeil at short. McNeil, McNeil at second. second. You've got your, your McCann out catcher. there. So now. I feel like there's another deal here, and that's the whole Chris Bryant thing. If you bring Chris Bryant into this situation, that's one. But it possibility. doesn't. It does. Does it make sense to sign 
the, the to bring in the third baseman and then sign Chris Bryant, which is why I don't think they're going to do so, that. So that that so so going with that thought, okay, then I have another one to counter with. I don't know that you want Mark Canna to be your right. everyday player. So I've He's, got a guy who could play right field for the Mets. Um, we know him. He's played here before. His name is Michael Conforto. Right <laughs> now, it's interesting that he has not signed a deal. Right, and and now that Boras has made a deal with Scherzer with the Mets, my thought that he might make a deal with Steve Cohen is much higher than it was right. before this. He, and he, they gave his they gave his guy forty three million a year. He might if there's a time for Boras to be. I love Steve Cohen, is what yes. Steve Boras is saying. So and now so then if you have Canha as your fourth outfielder, which I really like because he's solid defensively and he's a much better on base guy. Right. Right. And, and what I look at that is even if you don't having Nimmo Marte and Canna Conforto as your outfielder, that's an outfield that gets on base a lot more, works counts a lot more, and it's not as free swinging as it was last year. Yeah, defensively, I don't know if it's better or worse than what you had. But it's, last it's year, comparable. it's co- comparable, I'd right, say. Right, right. And then you've got – so we're not even talking about bringing anybody up from the minor leagues, which I could argue your third baseman which this is, year which is you know, the more should be Brett Beatty in, in, in a lot of ways. I don't think they're going to start with Brett Beatty. I don't think third. they will either. They say he needs some time still this season. How do you know that? Like, he needs another you know, year of seasoning or something like that. Like, like, you know, but, just put the guy uh, in the hit or no, not. No, I'm pretty sure what that means is we would like to keep him in the minor league so that we can control his contract for a <laughs> yeah well that's one of the reasons why there's a lockout right now right let's, let's, let's be because the players have realized hey wait a second it's not great for me that a team holds me down for a couple of years so they can have me on my rookie contract until i'm 30 but when you talk about your roster right and and you know the mets haven't signed villar back so there's no guarantee he's going to be part of the team or pilar for that matter I, i'd be surprised pilar has a better chance of coming back than villar so you've got your catchers nito's definitely going to be nito yeah nito will be your back they're not going to do anything with mccann to catcher you know you've got your outfield you mentioned you got canna as a fourth outfielder and McCann is, if, you, if you get a third outfielder the thing is you don't the, have one right now the thing is if you're the mets mccann is perfectly set up to be the bridge to ronnie mercurio no no you're thinking of uh alvarez the catcher Av- yeah yeah sorry he's perfectly set up to be the bridge to alvarez because alvarez is i think 1920 we've gotten we've got mccann under contract for two more years which means by the time mccann's coming to the end of this deal we should be ready to just bring up alvarez and put him and, in and catcher look it takes a while to be to understand what it takes to be a major league catcher so you wouldn't look at it the same way you might so a guy like a baby what i wouldn't base. be surprised though is to see alvarez be a September call up this season. Oh, I think that's a good point because then they'll bring him up, get him, start getting, and then he'll be the backup catcher next year, and maybe supplanting McCann by the end of the season if McCann looks shot by then. So in you've twenty twenty three. You've got you've got these guys we brought in, and and, and you've also got. Uh, uh, Guillaume is going to be a backup he, infielder on that, which team, is great. Which is, you know, he's a very versatile guy and a guy that you want to have. So, are Dom Smith and JD Davis on this team? Um, one of them will be. I don't know I which feel one. The same way. I don't know which one of them will be. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them in a prospect get moved for somebody. But, but a reliever is going to play every day. A or? reliever or a pitcher. Yeah, well, I still think you need a pitcher too. We haven't even gotten to like so. So right now, let's look at your starting rotation. Yeah, we can look at our. So you've got Degrom, Scherzer, right? You've got Taiwan Walker, Walker, you've got Carrasco, Carrasco, and then you've got probably Peterson. You've got McGill and Peterson, uh, and you don't really have anybody else. You haven't signed Trevor Williams as a. No, those guys guy. are probably you're gonna have. You Mc- didn't tender Gaselman. No, so you're gonna probably have McGill, Peterson. Joey Lucchese. Is that a World Series team yet? I I, I love Scherzer and year. DeGrom. 
here, something has somebody has to emerge out of that. Somebody, and, and, Peterson and all nuts. of a sudden has to be a number three starter, or Carrasco has to return to his old form. And and I'll, and I'll tell you. So what you what you need? Walker maintains his first half of twenty twenty form for an entire you need, season. You need you need Carlos Rodon. You're not going to be able to sign. That's a, a free agent. Yeah, that's a lot. All it takes is money. We've yeah. got a lot of it. You're a Met fan. See, Met fans have a hard. We we have a hard time with this, right? We've never been the Yankees. Right? We never had so much money. It didn't matter how much we spent. Yeah, they did that. Well, oh yeah, we'll just go out and sign thirty. In our whole history. We've been yeah. one with, I, I, what, what would it be like? To, to have this much money where you could just spend as much as you did, it didn't even matter. This was something we had to consider because it would be like, oh, the Wilpons can't it's, afford it's, that. You know, I, I, I got the Yankee fans. I hope they don't hear this. I'm, I'm, it's kind of fun, actually. Oh, God, it's great. <laughs> we could be just like, oh, yeah, we already signed Max Scherzer for $43 million a year. Let's go get Carlos Rondon, what, too. That's an $18, 20000000 million contract. Come on. Thank you. Just throw it on top. We're talking about winning the World Series here. Now, I think more interestingly, especially with Aaron Loop signing with the Angels, the Mets bullpen is a much bigger concern to me now. I, I'm glad you said that because I think you know if you look at the pieces that you talked about before and i thought there's seth lugo the guy who wanted to be a starter who can't pitch two innings two days in a row i could never figure that out by the way right so i think the issue is you have diaz diaz will be back and diaz in a strong bullpen around him is i'm much more comfortable with so diaz and may are back and may was pretty good last season i agree well and you're paying him 15 million a year so he better be pretty good Outside of that, they got nobody. Well, you got Lugo. I think he's under contract. Lugo's under contract. But what I'm saying is outside of May and Diaz, is there anybody in that bullpen that really makes you get excited? So Drew Smith doesn't do that for you. Not super. <laughs> Not really. So that that that's an issue because I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, I I think they have they have more pieces, you know, uh, that they need to get in order to make this. They there's maybe an but I don't know if it's a big deal. Now, what I would be, what I think, if I'm the Mets, if you're handling your pitching situation, I try and solve my bullpen issues through free agency, and then if we're getting towards the trade deadline, and it looks like, yeah, one more starting pitcher would be the thing that would put us over the edge, then maybe I call up Baltimore and see what they'd want for John Means. Well, and 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 that's a guy you know I've I've liked for yeah. For a I, while. I just think that signing, uh, committing. I do not love the idea of committing eighteen to twenty more million dollars a year to a thirty-four-year-old Carlos Rondon who he's just thirty-four years old. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. I'm pretty he's sure he's not thirty-four years old. You he, are not right. He's see. now he is a guy who has a tendency to be a little fragile. So I think there's a reason why people get a little nervous about committing any kind of significant money to a guy who, you know, that was his best year yeah, this, yeah, this 29, year. My mistake. He's twenty-nine. So that, that was his best year this year. So I think that's why they have a chance to get him because people are a little nervous about him. But he's a lefty, and boy, the Mets could use a little they left-handed use, pitching they in could that use organization. A lefty, but it just it just worries me because he's an injury guy off his best season ever, which is just screaming to me. He's never going to have that kind of season. Again. I would argue he is the best pitcher available on the market right that now. That is true. He is the best pitcher that's left around. I and, think. And, and I think money talks, and this is a guy. So if you had him as your number three, and let's let's face it, you know, just like every sports league, expecting somebody to pitch to do a whole season and not getting injured is, is a lot these days. So you almost have to plan that everybody, Jake's going to miss some starts. Scherzer's going to miss a few starts. Right, yeah. You don't, but, but the question is, is it going to be, Jacob deGrom can't pitch for half the season plus. Right. And and then, of course, you know, you have things for every team's got this kind of stuff. You got a guy, Peterson, who had a pretty good rookie year and last year and then had a battle in the locker room with a 
a, a, a footstool or something. I don't know what the happened. Yeah, like he, some really he, funky. He turned his ankle, or and that is something. And then he's out for the year, and which that, is actually something we do need to now kind of address because that is something that happened to the Mets a lot last year, and it was one of my biggest criticisms with the manager at the time is that too much weird shit happened to the Mets last <laughs> season, like. I'm sorry. No one team should have that many goofy storylines swirling around. Are it. you are you talking about the raccoon story? And that's just one of them. The raccoon story, the thumbs down incident, Jeff. Like, well, there's a reason I think bias isn't here, and I think that's part of it. I think that's part. But but the whole team, the whole year, there were just constant weird things about the team. It seemed, and Luis Rojas, the manager, who seemed like a perfectly nice guy, good manager, the guys like first him. job. And, always and he just didn't handle that stuff. Just the way always he seemed like he. What really bugged me is always seemed like he was acting like this was the first time he was hearing it of it too. And it's like, really, Mister Rojas, you didn't know your players were planning on doing this in the locker room. Like, what does that tell you about your control of the locker room? Really like Luis Rojas. Um, I think, think he's going to think he's going to be a good manager someplace else. I think he'll be fine. You know, bench coach for the Yankees now. I think. I, or, I think so. But which is so, something like that. Anyway, when you guy have a guy at his first job, you know he has to learn at his game. Gabe Kapler did with the Phillies what you don't do. Right. And, and Gabe Kapler learned that and went and became a very good manager this year with a very overachieving giant team. Now, granted, I do also think Met fans are insane because I did see a sports writer tweet this out, and I do have to agree. The number of Met fans out there saying that they're not going to follow the team again if they don't hire Buck Showalter to be manager is nutty considering it's not like Buck Showalter has some kind of sterling record of postseason success we should all be clamoring for a postseason exists like winning a world series like winning a playoff series <laughs> okay um because i think he's never won one. Oh, i don't i don't know that i should know that at the top i of don't my head. think is he's that won true? One. i trust yeah. you on that if you're right uh, he might have won a playoff series so i i think but this is sort of the age of the older manager who's going to steady things right and, and and the mets had success with terry collins um a few years ago and tc is very much in buck's you know, a corner and, 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 and saying that this is a guy they should hire. So I think he's certainly the, the, the leading leader. Ca- I think yeah. he's a leading candidate because the Mets want somebody one having a guy like Buck show Walter, who's going to know how to handle the New York media. Well, and he's going to know how to handle, not that he needs handling, but the, the, the doors and the Alonso, like the egos that come with being a big star in a big market. But, but what I'm saying is, is I, I felt like there were times where Luis Rojas did not look like he knew how to handle the New York media. And that's something I'm actually very confident in Buck Joe Walter's ability. Well, and, and you've got a guy you brought on your team in, in Scherzer, who obviously great pitcher, but also a guy who is willing to speak his mind and say how he feels. So you better have a manager, unlike the way Rojas handled things last year, right. who's going to be able to handle you know, those things and know what to say. And I, and I think think Rojas will be better at it in the future when he has another chance. I think and Rojas will definitely, but I think this was the right move. I wanted to move on from Rojas during the season because there were too many points during the season That's where fair. both in-game decision-making was really bizarre. His bullpen usage was weird. There would be times where we would be like, why are you bringing in this guy? Yeah, you know, Too I- many times where we're like, you know Familia is terrible on back-to-back days. That's true. Why are you bringing in Familia in a high-leverage situation on back-to-back days? Like, and, we know this. And so, you know, how do you feel about Familia, right? He's not under contract. Do I you don't want, want him, him back? No. 
Yeah, I'm ready to. I'm done with the jury's familiar. He's had two go rounds here. Thanks for the memories, right? Thanks for the memories. <laughs> you gave me a lot of heart. I think Castro is back. Actually, I think Castro's back. And so now you only have two guys who. Okay, close your eyes, throw a strike. But I'm more okay if Castro is a guy that pitches irregularly out of my bullpen. I'm okay with it. The problem was we needed Castro to be our seventh inning guy last well, season. Well, and the problem is, no, the problem is he had to pitch in the sixth inning a lot of the time because the starters because the literally starters couldn't, couldn't go any further. So, that, so the, now you've got now you've got two guys who at least you'd think three four times a week you're going to you're gonna you get you starts. six innings, you know. And, and, and another thing that I better. heard that really hurt the Mets last year because their offense was so bad they didn't get any a lot of freebie games that I remember. I even remember in 2020 and 2019. Any? Did they get any? <laughs> where, like, they scored, like, 13 runs, and the game was just, like, you Yeah, know, they had a couple of laughers when you're, like, well, you could turn the TV off because they were ahead by so much. Like, I think even the Mets can't lose that league. Like, like whereas <laughs> this year, I don't remember. that. I'm sure it did happen a couple of times, but it felt like it happened at a very low rate for them this year. And that also helps your team. If you can have a game where... You're like, you know what, Gaselman here, take the ball and go four innings today. We, we doesn't matter. So if you look you look at the National League and you play in the division with the defending World Series champions, who I, I can't imagine they're not going to sign Freddie Freeman. But if they don't. Oh, but if they don't. But let's let's say that they do. And I notice uh, Ozuna is tearing it up if he can get back to the major leagues. Now we've got, he's got some. He's got a lot of issues getting correct, there. Correct. But he's tearing it up down there. And I think it, if, you're, if you're looking at the Braves, to me it's very unlikely the Braves repeat. Not because I don't think they're a good baseball team, but it felt like everything went right for them this postseason. So, so uh, are you suggesting that there's a universe in which, for the Mets, everything could go right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know if I live in that think world. About, think about how every single like deadline move they yeah, made. Yeah, yeah. No, I, was I get you. I perfect. Get you. So, I think I think you have to. What I'm saying is that does not look like a team that's so good. That they're the Dodgers of 2020 going into 2021, where we all had a pretty reasonable expectation that at the very worst, the Dodgers would be in the NLCS. I don't necessarily know the Braves will definitely be in the NLCS next year. So, so you know, we're trying to make a case and here. not just because of the Mets. That what the Mets did here is 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 enough that they can begin to look and say, you know what, we're good enough to make a World Series because we don't want to waste the best years of Jake's life. Now, and Scherzer for that you're matter. in a. The problem is, is you are in a dogfight of a division True. because you have three outstanding teams in your division you've got the washington not the washington nationals the philadelphia phillies the atlanta braves yeah, and the, New York the phillies Mets. you're right about the phillies, the phillies. I, I i keep wanting to knock the phillies right. and the, the phillies are a team that's was if they literally do not have a historically bad bullpen were and, he, and he can't lay that on the managers pretty good manager pretty good manager so you have to think it's hard for they've been historically bad two years in a row Money says they're probably not historically bad three years in a row. Well, hopefully they'll do something more than sign Archie Bradley to fix their bullpen problem. So if they go out and spend any amount of money to fix that and their bullpen is at least even like league average bad. So so obviously, you know, we're not here to talk about the potential deal changes in in the CBA. But divisionally, right, we're thinking that things are going to right now end up being what they were before. And there are some proposals out there that could change that. There was a proposal for a 12-team playoff with the top two teams. Teams in each league 
getting a buy. In and the we first think it's going to be 14, by the way. I think that's going to go up to 14. 14. And then the other aspect of this is that the divisions in each league would be reduced to two. That's what the players suggest. That's what the players going suggested. back to the way it used to be. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but the number of teams expanding in the postseason only benefits a team like the Mets. Right, right. And, and, and the more chances to get into the postseason for the Mets, the better. But it puts a premium on, I think, if they were to go that way, and I don't know that they will, that winning the or finishing first in your division getting a buy. is going to give you a buy or some ridiculous advantage. It should in get your you a buy, series, right? and it, but if it give, especially if it gives you a buy into what would be essentially the divisional round, and if you have 14 teams of the two teams that are playing. Right, now you're playing 12 down. Yeah, that makes sense. 12 right. down to six, and then there's eight. 12 down to eight. So you, you basically get a skip an entire round, if you're, and which would be big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think if you look at the mess the way they are, um, that's why I said with what they've got right now, I don't think they're any kind of a favorite to- No, they would to, be a dark horse. To, be, to make the playoffs at best. They would be, they would be a- <laughs> Right now in the NL as it is, if there's 12 to 14 teams in the playoff, I'd have them as a favorite to make the playoff just because of the number of teams getting into the playoff. If they don't make any more deals right now. If they don't make any more deals, wow. yes. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of fragility there. There's a lot of fragility. Yeah, because you've got two 30-plus pitchers, one coming off an injury, and the other who's 36, 37. It's just hard for me to keep expecting Scherzer to come out there and have 30 starts. Oh, that's totally reasonable. But I'm also looking at it from the perspective of you. there's only so much more I can add to this team. And if I'm telling myself I'm still two to three relievers, a starting pitcher, a starting right fielder, maybe some better backups away right, from being right. a World Series contender, then they're not going to be a World and, Series and, contender. And here's what year. every team needs, not just the Mets, right? Every team's like, somebody on that rotation that you're not counting on has got to outperform right. what you expect So right what, what, I, what I look at the Carrasco Mets... Carrasco comes back and all of a sudden looks like he right. used to. Which is why I look at the Mets right now as a playoff contending team for sure. They are one that I would have as a favorite to make the playoffs and they are a dark horse candidate for the World Series because the dark horse aspect comes from everything kind of coming together and working right for them yeah i think they need more i think i think, I, I think they need another hitter and i think they need another pitcher and i think it's going to cost them something like now, 40 million dollars more to do that maybe or 50. it's one of the kids you bring up a kid you bring up brett Beatty this year because he's tearing the cover off the ball to start the year. You bring he him up a in ridiculous May. Arizona Fall League, too, right. by the way. You bring him up in May, and then he's your everyday third baseman. I love that idea, and I don't know how often people think about the energy of bringing in a young player who can contribute at the major league level. And by the way, there's no guarantee that he would, but let's say that he does. When it happens, when you have a Yasel Puig come in all of a sudden and inject life into your franchise. Who's now playing in the KBO. Yeah, play. yeah, but the point is, you know, and, 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 and as a Met fan, right, and I, all I got to do is say, two words and think about lightning in a bottle to help you, you know, drive to a playoff and that's 1988 and Greg Jeffries right so Greg Jeffries came in in, in August and looked like he was going to be the best player in the major leagues and the next made the playoffs they didn't make, make the World Series the, and, and he never had the follow up but you're looking for that kind of energy need, created by a player you're bringing there, in there are guys young. they could bring up this year more on the offensive side of the ball than pitching wise so there's a pitcher or two that are floating around yeah JT Ginn I think yeah there's a couple guys but there's no big name pitchers. In no, no, not even in the organization. Now they have the two draft picks this year, which is big, but drafting pitchers, those are three yeah, yeah, years yeah, away. I, minimum. I feel the same way from yeah. being an impact player. So 
The question is, is do you trade? Now, that's the thing. I think that's why a guy like J.D. Davis or a guy like Dom Smith could be on the move because to a DH-hungry team, they might be willing to give up a young pitcher or two for a guy like that. And if you can make a move like that, I, I think it's really valuable. But you're here to win now. But you're <laughs> you're not going to be able to make a trade to get a player that's going to make a difference for you to win now without giving something up that's going to equally make it difficult to win now. Thank goodness we have an owner with lots of money. Right. So that's the only solution is just spend, spend, spend. That, that's spend. the only way they're going to do it this year. I think they're going to have to and, – and he's going to have to decide – I'm, I believe in Jake. It really has to be. I believe in Jake. I want Jake to have this chance. I'm going to spend my, you know, go out, get Carlos whatever Rondone, off. go get two or three relievers. Right. If it's not Chris Bryan, it's Michael Conforto, whatever it is. Right. I think it's at least two guys. And, and you're probably right. They need a third guy and, and another relief pitcher. doesn't mean it's Brad Hand, by the way, who they can sign. Fine. But that is not the answer to your no, bullpen you need, issues. You need a bullpen. Right. 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 So there's, there's more to be done yet. There's a lot to be done. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Cool.